And the reading this morning is taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And it reads, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was, was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Thank you, Klingiwe. And thank you to our present worship team. That was wonderful, wasn't it? All right. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to get into God's word. Father God, I do pray that you will be with us now. Uh, I pray that your spirit will be on me as I preach your word. I pray that your spirit will be on, uh, on everybody here as they listen, that you'll work in their hearts, and that, Lord, I ultimately pray that lives will be changed, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, here's the question to start off this morning. If you, if you could swap places with one person just for a day, who would it be? All right? Maybe, maybe Chris Hemsworth, because you want the abs, right? You want to look good. Maybe it's Taylor Shift. If you don't catch that joke, don't worry about it. It's an in-house joke. Maybe Lionel Messi, because you want to be one of, arguably, one of the world's greatest soccer players. Or Trevor Noah. Well, let me tell you, I have one, okay? So... I'm a millennial, this is what we do, we follow YouTubers, and uh, one of them is a guy called Alpha M, who is a YouTuber who talks about style, clothing, and life coaching. Not such a big fan of his life coaching, uh, but listen, he does, he talks about fashion for guys my age, and, and if, you, if you're not as blessed as Rafa, then you need help, okay? So... So one day I thought to myself, I, I pictured myself being in his shoes. Now, Alpha M is a very well-known YouTuber. He has lots of money. And so ima I imagined myself walking around in Armani suits. And, uh, sp sp and, and you know what? And he, then he changes places with me, and he can spend the day changing my one-year-old's nappies, <laughs> cleaning up after my kids. I mean, that would be amazing, right? Now, I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. And I would only do it for just for a day. But what a day. I can just imagine how amazing that day would be. Driving around in a Bentley Continental convertible that I got with just my spare cash. Just imagine. Do it, do it to yourself just for a little bit. Imagine right now that you've swapped places with someone and you're driving in awesome cars. Or you're Chris Hemsworth and you have the abs. Or you're wearing the finest clothing. Or you're living in the finest houses. And they're in your shoes, and they're doing your budget. Or maybe they're dealing with some of your annoying colleagues, right? Well, here's what we're going to see today. We're going to see that Jesus switches place with someone. But instead of Jesus going up the social and political order like you and I would, 
He reaches down to the bottom of society. He reaches a leper. And as we go through it, I hope you are encouraged by this passage as I've been while I've been preparing it. And the greatest thing that I've seen in this passage, and I want you to see it today, is I want you to see just how loving Jesus is. And specifically what I want you to see is the extent to which he goes to to love the worst of sinners. In this case, it's a leper. So let's jump in. We're in verse 40 here. And it says this, A man with leprosy came to him, Jesus, and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now this verse is actually talking about something that was quite offensive. See, in that day, a leper was not supposed to come into contact with anyone, especially a great teacher. You actually had to keep 50 paces from any other human if you had leprosy, which is about 25 meters. So, I mean, talk about social distancing, right? We, we complained about the two meters or one meter. Here's 25, okay? And not only does he come into contact with anyone ordinary, but a great teacher. Now, the context of this passage is that Jesus has actually made quite a name for himself as a teacher. If you read the verses that come before this, Mark has been telling us all about how Jesus has been preaching around the town of Galilee. And he's been doing, doing a lot of miracles. So he's been healing people and taking out demons. And so the people back then saw not just a teacher, but a teacher with power. In other words, people would look at him and say, well, if he's got authority over creation, he speaks and people are healed. And if he has authority over the spiritual realm, he speaks and demons come out of people. Then if he speaks, I better listen. He obviously has something worthwhile to say. You can see it in verse 27. This is what the people say. They say, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. So his miracles back his teaching and show just how authoritative his teaching is. In verse 28, because of his teaching and because of his miracles, his name spreads In verse 28, it says, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So Jesus was a great teacher. And and this led him to kind of become, no, sorry, this led him to become a great leader to many followers. You, You might kind of see him almost like a social media influencer. He taught, people clicked follow, and they subscribed to his channel, and soon Jesus had hundreds of followers. And he became known throughout his town as a great leader. And something that a great leader never did, never did, was come into contact with a leper. And, and vice versa, a leper would never come into contact with a great teacher or leader. It was highly disrespectful, and here's why. So leprosy is a skin disease. And back then, almost any disease of the skin was considered leprosy. Now, leprosy in its true form is called, now I hope I get this right, I didn't do well with, with biology at school, it's Microbacterium laprae. Do you know how often I had to practice that word today before coming here? So, Microbacterium laprae. So, it's a, so this, is, this bacteria enters your system, and it infects your nerves, your eyes, your skin, and the lining of your nose. And the nerves start to swell under the skin, creating these huge bumps all over your skin. I'm giving you the PG version, by the way. When I read about this, it was actually quite gross. 
If it's not treated, it can actually result in, in nerve damage, which means your hands become paralyzed and your feet become paralyzed. And only in the most extreme cases does it result in loss of fingers and toes. So leprosy is a horrible disease, and it, it's contagious. And back then, they actually had no way of, proper, of giving proper diagnosis to it or curing it. So what they do is if you had skin issues like red patches or bumps or areas of discoloration on your skin, they'd just kick you out of the city. You would have to go live by yourself and you couldn't own anything because they believed that anything you touched could get infected, which would then cause someone else to get infected. So you can imagine that they needed to get you out and they needed you to not have anything. So that you couldn't pass this on. Now imagine today if you got COVID and people just kicked you out of the city. I mean, that's horrible, right? Back then they didn't have things like sanitizer or modern medicine like we have. So to rescue the people, they, the people of the city, they simply kicked you out so that you couldn't infect anybody else. Now put yourselves in the leper's shoes for a moment. You can't get food because you can't go into shops because you're not allowed in. There's no phone, no house, no TV, not a book to read, nothing because you can't have anything. You can't even have a place to sleep. You basically experience something that is worse than homelessness because even homeless people have people around them. I can guarantee your world of just being by yourself, no human interaction or nothing would probably lead you to want to take your own life. But it gets worse because you're not only kicked out of the city because you're contagious, you're kicked out because the Jews believed God wanted you out. See, the Jews believed that leprosy was a curse that God placed on you for the sins of your life. In other words, leprosy was a punishment for the sinful life. And if you look at the way the cities and towns were designed back then, they were designed circular with the synagogue or the temple in the middle. In other words, if you went to Jerusalem, you'd see the big round city, and right in the middle you'd see the temple. Now Jerusalem was the biggest city, but the smaller towns and cities around didn't have big temples, but almost like miniature temples. They were called synagogues. And I say almost because they didn't do exactly the same things, but more or less. And the temples and the synagogues were symbols of God's presence amidst his people. In other words, they believed that God was in the center of their towns. And so if you sinned against God so badly that God cursed you with something like leprosy, then they believed that you were not worthy of being close to God. So the further they took you from the center of the city, the better. And if you're outside of the city, it's better because you don't, you don't deserve to be part of God, to be close to God and to be close to his people. You deserve to be alone like the rat you are in pain, both physically and emotionally. So you can see why this scene of verse 40 is so offensive. Here the scum of society is daring to speak to a teacher who is so great. But notice Jesus' response in the next verse. Jesus, Jesus doesn't get angry. Jesus doesn't send him away. 
No, Jesus could have done this. He could have literally started shouting, get away from me, get away from me, so that people could hear and get help, so that someone could push this, this guy away, this leper, away from the great teacher. But Jesus doesn't do any of that, even though he was fully, he had the full right to do that. He doesn't. If you read the beginning of the next verse, it says this, Jesus had compassion. Now, some of your translations might say Jesus was indignant or he had pity, but a better way of reading that is Jesus had compassion. Now, just, just that truth alone, I'd imagine, must have meant the world to this leper. This leper who had been the outcast. If you think about it, he's been sentenced to a life of prison for a crime that he doesn't even know he's committed. One day he's fined. And the next day, he starts showing marks on his skin. So he does what was custom for the day, and he goes to the priest. And the priest says, the judge has spoken. You need to leave. And so now he has to live a life outside of the city walls, and, and, and he can't take anything. And here's something else he has to keep doing. He has to keep shouting continually, unclean unclean like a foghorn warning others of the life-threatening danger that he can pose to them you can imagine his his family might have actually disowned him because of what he's done to the lord and how he's dishonored his family but even if they didn't he'd not be able to experience love from them anyway because he's not allowed to be in the in their presence he's been excommunicated from society He's by himself. No compassion or love of any sort brought on him by anyone. And you know, when I was preparing this, I just pictured this poor guy just sitting outside the gates, wondering what he had to do to deserve all of this. And just longing for somebody, just, just someone to have that little bit of compassion. And then Jesus comes. And Jesus has compassion. And you can see why I say just having a bit of compassion must have meant the world to this guy. But Jesus doesn't stop with just the emotion. Because he acts on it. He reaches out his hand. And I think it's safe to say that that hand goes further than any other hand of his day. Because Jesus reaches out his hand and he touches the man. Now just, just imagine that touch. When you haven't experienced physical affection for possibly months, possibly even years. You may not even remember what it's like to be touched. And here, not only are you being touched by a person, but by a great person. Imagine what he felt that day. Today, somebody touched me. And it wasn't just anybody. Jesus touched me. Now, you've got to understand that this action is far crazier than even the leper realizes. Because just when you are blown away by Jesus' teaching and Jesus touching him, I want your minds to be even more blown when you understand the lengths that Jesus goes through to touch him. Here are the lengths. 
One, Jesus puts his own reputation on the line. See, Jesus is a great man of God. He's known for being a great teacher who's teaching about God. Why on earth would he then come into contact with a leper? I mean, surely if he, if he loves God and he's for God, why would he do anything like touch a leper who God seems to be against or God seems to be cursing? If he's a good teacher, surely he would know that a good Jew is supposed to leave the lepers alone, especially if he's a great teacher. So Jesus' authority as a teacher comes under question when he touches the leper. Added to that, people would have been nervous to still follow him because he might have just contracted the disease if he's touched the leper. You can imagine a whole lot of people saying, oh, did he, what? He touched the guy? No ways, I'm not following him anymore. I'm not risking and getting leprosy. I know what happens to people who get leprosy. I'm not doing that. So he really puts his reputation on the line to touch this man. Secondly, Jesus is putting his own health on the line. By touching the man, he risks getting the disease himself and passing it on to somebody else. And thirdly, Jesus is God. And a holy God cannot be in the midst of sinners. But by Jesus touching the leper, he goes against his own nature to be in the presence of a sinner. And still more, he goes against his own nature to touch him. What the leper may not have realized or may not fully understood was that by having compassion and touching him, Jesus was going against his own nature, risking his own life and his reputation to save this man. And after touching him, Jesus gives the man what he needs. He cleans the man. As a result, the man's disease disappears and the man can now enter back into the presence of God and be with his people. Now, today... Today, you, you might actually come in here and you might feel a little bit like the leper. You think you are the worst of sinners. You don't even know why you're here. And, and inside, you're thinking, if people really knew the real me, they wouldn't want me in these walls. I'm not worthy of being here. Jesus reached out. And touched a leper. And let me tell you, he's reaching out now and he wants to touch you. See, I love this passage. One of my favorite passages in Mark's gospel. Because here it, it really, truly shows the heart of Jesus. Jesus literally moves heaven and earth to save the sinner, the outcast. And you need to understand how crazy this is. I sometimes run a program uh, called Christianity Explored for Teens, where we run a six-week course looking at the basics of Christianity. And, and I used to say this to the teens. I would say this, pretend like Christianity never happened 2,000 years ago, and God came to earth today. Who would he spend time with? And 100% of the time, I got the same answer. I never got this, I, I, I never got a different answer to this once. They'd all say things like, 
He'd spend time with the prostitutes, the drug addicts, the rapists, the criminals, the people who, are so, who socially would be deemed as the worst of sinners. But actually what they were doing is they didn't realize that they were acting as if Christianity had happened because they were putting their preconceived ideas into the answer. Really, a holy God would not dare enter into the midst of sinners. Why? Because he's a holy. If you had to say to a Muslim, Allah would hang out with prostitutes, drug addicts, etc., they may even stone you for suggesting such blasphemy. God is too great, he's too perfect, too majestic, spotless and righteous to spend time with the worst of sinners. Yet here Jesus is, risking his reputation and going against his own nature, risking his life to save the sinner. That is why this passage here today is so crazy. Now, there's a problem with what I've just said, and that is, you might think that just because you're not a drug addict or a prostitute, that you are not the worst of sinners. The truth is, we all know we are no better or worse than those who are called the worst of sinners. If you think back th through this week, and just do it for a moment, we know all the things that we've done. We all know, know all the things we should have not done. We know all the things that we should have thought. We, all, we know the things we have thought, and we know the things we haven't thought. And when you kind of do an analysis over your whole week, just, just by doing that, you realize something that John Owen got it right in that song, Amazing Grace, when he speaks about us as being a wretch. We all know that we are a wretch, but Jesus comes, risks his reputation, his life, and goes against his own nature to rescue. And it's not just from this passage that we know this. Because at the cross, Jesus not only touched our sinful bodies, but he reached further than any hand in history. Because he reaches inside of us, and he takes that sin, and he puts it on himself at the cross, where he risks his life and his reputation, because no great teacher would die on a cross. And he destroys at the cross the very thing that makes us dirty and unclean, just like the leper. I once was in a hospital in, uh, in Phoenix in Durban. There was a man lying on the bed, dying. This man began to tell me of how he used his business as a front to sell drugs. And like the leper, he, he felt far from God and asked me with tears in his eyes how God could ever forgive him. And at this point, I smiled, and I, and I actually said words similar to verse 14 to 41. I said, if you come to him like the leper, he is willing, and he will go against his own nature, even risk his own reputation to cleanse you of your sin. He's that keen. Let me tell you, everything that that man did wrong, not just the drug selling, but everything was properly punished. Not by a jail cell, it was worse. 
In Jesus, that man was thrown on a cross. In Jesus, that man was beaten, mocked, and eventually murdered. And still worse, he took on the wrath of God. Why? Because when Jesus dies on the cross, he takes his hand and he takes the sin out of you and he puts it on himself and he takes the punishment in your place. No jail cell could do what God's wrath did at that cross. That man was properly punished in Jesus. And that man came to Jesus that night, and I had the joy of knowing 100% that when that man dies, he will see Jesus. And that touch will not just be a hand reaching out to him like Jesus reaching the leper. It will be a warm embrace saying, my long lost child, welcome home. I couldn't wait to see you. Maybe you're here today and you perhaps feel like you are the outcast. Like you don't deserve to be within these walls. I'm preaching from this passage today because I want you to see Jesus went for the worst of sinners. And we're all in that boat. But Jesus has reached further than any person in history to save you. He's willing to move heaven and earth to do it. Let's keep reading. Jesus, verse 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So it says that Jesus gives a strong warning. The the word for strong in the Greek here literally means to snort or to flare your nostrils. In other words, Jesus says this in more of a stern way. Kind of like, you better not do this. (laughs) Or that angry voice, kind of like your parents do when you're in the shops and you know that if you don't do what they say, you're going to get a smack. You know that kind of sternness. It's like that. Listen, see to it that, then he says, listen, see to it that you don't tell anyone what happened here, but go and show yourself to the priest. So he's being stern here and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So clearly Jesus really wants this guy to listen. And he says, don't tell anyone about what happened. Now he's not going against evangelism here. You need to know this or or telling other people the, the good things that he's done. We know from the rest of the Bible that Jesus really does affirm evangelism. But this story happens very early on in Jesus' ministry. Jesus had to be careful about what people said about him. Because if the wrong news spread too quickly, then he would be crucified too early on in his ministry. He still needs more time to train his disciples, to teach everything he needs to teach, and travel everywhere that he needs to travel. So dying too early would have cut his mission short. So Jesus commands him to strictly not tell anyone about him. And Jesus also commands him to go to the priest and to do a lot of sacrifices. Now this is just a formality more than anything. You would go to the priest and the priest would look at your skin and see that the blotchy covered red marks are gone. The bumps have, have been cleared And then he'd declare you clean and ask you to do a couple of thank offerings to the Lord. That would happen over a period of weeks. So it was mostly a formality. And we're not told if he he did listen to Jesus about that formality. 
But the one thing we are told is that he didn't listen to Jesus about telling others. Now remember, Jesus was stern with this. He really wanted it to him to not share this. Verse 45, instead, he, which is the leper, went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So this guy goes out, tells everyone about Jesus, totally disobeys him. And I want you to notice something that happens. Jesus takes the place of the leper. Because Jesus is now no longer able to enter the town. And where's the leper? Well, he's been cleansed of his leprosy, which means he can enter the town. Or to put it another way, Jesus takes the leper's place and is removed from God's presence and his people. And the leper takes Jesus' place and is put in right relationship with God and his people. Now, this, just, this just blows my mind even further. Because what it's saying is that not only does Jesus love the leper enough to fight his own reputation, risk his his own, sorry, fight his own nature, risk his own reputation and his life, but that he's willing to take the place of the leper in order to save him. Jesus is God. And let me tell you this, he would have known before that whole scene even happened what was going to happen. He knew that the leper would disobey him. Yet still, he risks his own reputation, his nature, his life, and he would take the punishment that that leper deserves by going outside of the city. The sentence that the leper had was put on him. That imprisonment of being outside of the city. This, again, is a clever picture that the author gives us because it's actually a picture of what happens at the cross. See, I don't know if you know this, but there's a reason Jesus was hung on a cross outside the city. It's because the people of his day did not believe he was worthy to die in God's presence. So they put him on a tree outside of the city. And while this was a symbolic thing, Jesus really did leave the presence of the Lord when he died. Because at the cross... The father turned away from him. And in the end of Mark's gospel, we read this. Jesus shouts out, Eloi, Eloi, Labachtani, which means, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? One of the most horrific things on the cross is the Trinity literally splitting because the father turns, his, turns himself away from his son. Jesus loves us so much that he's willing to leave the presence of the Lord so that we, the people who should be outside the city, because of who we are, can be brought back into his presence. Now that is, that is incredible love. I don't think you can read that kind of love in any story or see it in any movie or even experience it outside of Christ. If you're here today and you're feeling like the outsider, you feel like the leper or like that businessman who used his business as a drug front, you think God could not possibly forgive you? Look at the extent that he went for, for this leper. And he wants the same for you. Now, if you think about it, as I said earlier, we're all outcasts. 
If we look at our hearts, we, we should feel like the leper. And you might say, but I, <laughs> but I deserve to be in these walls. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not so bad. Well, imagine today God came here and he took you aside and he grabbed your phone and it was an iPhone and he had bad experiences with Apple, so he threw it away. Just joking. That's just, I also had an Apple. I just wanted to make a quick little joke. But he took your phone and miraculously on your phone, all your thoughts, your deeds, and your desires appeared on that phone. Just picture that for a moment. He, he saw every negative thought that you had about people, people which he'd made in his own image and that he loves. He saw every time you didn't speak up when a colleague or family needed you to, someone who God hoped would see his love in you. Every time you passed up someone in need, every time you did something good for your own gain, every time you undressed another man or woman in your mind, people that he made and loves and feels should be treasured and not degraded. Every wrong film you've watched that has contaminated your body, which he designed to be pure and holy. Can you imagine when you're sitting here watching this next to him, you start to get a little bit nervous, don't you? Every time you rejected spending time with him, like every time you chose not to listen when his word was being preached, when he was desperately wanting to spend time with you that day. See, at the end of the video, you will see that he spent your whole life loving you and you've barely given him much thought at all. Instead, you spent more time loving yourself mostly. Some love to others and maybe you'll give the dreads a little bit of remains to him. See, we're all like the leper, aren't we? But the point is that Jesus doesn't run away from us or say, get away from me. Even if he did, we should be shouting, unclean, unclean, and not even dare to be in his presence because of his greatness and his holiness. Yet he still, despite our arrogance to even dare come into his presence and ask him to clean us, he still has compassion. And he reaches out and he goes against his nature, risks his reputation, his life, and he goes to the extent of taking our place. That is how much he loves us. And if you're here today and you've never let Jesus clean you, then today, my friend, today's the day. You come before the Lord and ask him, like the leper, you come and you say, please clean me. And his answer will be, I am willing. And he will reach out that hand, that hand that goes further than any other hand in history. And he will do crazy things like touch you and clean you of your sin. Just like, just like that, he'll take that sin from you and he'll put it on himself at that cross and he'll crucify it. I want to finish off with a quick story because I really wanted you to see just the extent of God's love in this passage. And I know I've rammed it home a couple of times, but I feel like this story just puts the cherry on the cake. So there's a teenage girl. Her name is Tiana, and she's, she's evil personified. Her neighbor is a really a kind old man, but Tiana loved to torment him. When he wasn't looking, she'd throw stones at his window to break them. Once, she painted black paint over his car windscreen so that he couldn't see where he drove. The paint was so thick that he had to get the windscreen replaced. 
She once set fire to his chicken pen, and the fire spread and destroyed his living room and nearly killed his wife. She'd place nails behind his tires so that when he'd reverse, his tires would be popped and he'd have to get new tires. She'd send letters to his boss pretending to be another colleague, complaining that this neighbor had dealt with her inappropriately, even when he hadn't. Lastly, he had a son, and Tiana would endlessly tell the son how much his parents hated him. And the son believed her and moved out because of it. Tiana was simply telling lies because she loved to torment her neighbor. One day, Tiana got sick. A virus was attacking her heart, and the doctor told her that unless she had a heart transplant, she's going to die. After looking through the list of donors... Tiana's parents began to feel there was no hope. For not only could they not find a suitable donor, but the operation was too expensive. They'd never be able to afford it. So one day, Tiana's mom sat crying on the porch of the house, knowing that her daughter's death was inevitable. The neighbor saw this and came over to ask what was wrong. She took a while to explain to him what was wrong because breathing was hard under so much anguish. The neighbor said, I'll pay for your daughter's operation. I don't have much, but I'll sell my house if I have to to cover it. Tiana's mom sat flabbergasted for a few minutes before coming to her senses and realizing that it would be pointless having all that money if they didn't have a donor. It's really kind of you, said Tiana's mom. But I don't have the heart to give her. Sorry, but if we, if we don't have a heart to give her, your money is worthless. Then I'll get tested tomorrow, said the neighbor. And if my heart is strong enough, I'll give it to her. That day, he got tested. And his heart was the right one. And so he died giving his heart to Tiana's. It is a picture of the love of Christ that is unfathomable. When I, when I shared this story with uh, some of our teenagers, they said to me, there's no ways that anyone would ever love like that. <laughs> and, and they're right. It's a crazy story. But when you think about what the Lord would see on your phone, you, f- you would realize... You're just as bad as Tiana. And even if you don't realize that, you would certainly think to yourself, there's no ways that this man would po- should possibly love me. I'm not worthy of it. And yet, God goes beyond that. He sees your sin and he has a plan for it and he deals with it so that he can save you, regardless of who you are. So in closing, I want to ask you today, you might be someone who's here today, perhaps you were even nervous sitting in your seat because you wondered why you came. You're thinking this is not the place for you. Let me tell you something, it definitely is. In fact, the people who are outside of church today who are saying, I need to clean myself before I come to church, they've got it wrong because you can't clean yourself. You don't see in this passage, you don't see the leper cleaning himself before he comes to Jesus. No, the leper realizes that he can't clean himself, so he has to come to Jesus. And today you are here because Jesus needs you to hear this. Today is the day where you give your life to him. 
Perhaps today is the day where you trust in him and like that leper, you come to him and you say, are you willing to make me clean? And you will hear Jesus say, I am. If you are a Christian here today, you can rejoice. This is a reminder of just how loving your Jesus is. And perhaps you've had one of those rough weeks where you feel like you're just far away from the Lord. Perhaps you feel like you're unworthy to be a Christian. Let me tell you something. No one is worthy. You need to come to Jesus as well. And by repenting, you can say, Lord, clean me of what I've done this week. And that hand is going to still go further than any other hand in history. Because he's a loving and gracious God. Won't you pray with me? Father God, we are so, so grateful that you are a loving God. And we just thank you, Lord, that you, just the extent to which you go to love us is unfathomable. And so, Father, I just pray for, the, I pray for anyone who's not a believer here. Lord, work in their hearts. Help them to see just how loving you are. Lord, I also pray for those who are Christians today. Lord, I pray that they still see that love in you. I pray that they, that they realize what a wretch they are, but realize what a loving God you are. And I pray this in your name.